Welcome to TSOB with Dr. G, a podcast featuring intellectual table talk about race and sexuality. I'm your host, Dr. Tracy Q. Gilbert, a sexuality educator, writer, and researcher. Join me as I talk with the most brilliant minds in human sexuality, applying a professional Black lens to discussions about sexiness, health, and healing in the new millennium. It's TSOB, the sex ed of Black folk. Let's get to the get down, shall we? (laughs) All right, y'all. So, hey, hey, hey. Welcome again to another episode of TSOB with me, Dr. G, a.k.a. the sex ed of black folk. And I am here with another one of my amazing friends and colleagues in this work, one of my favorite people that I'm super excited that I finally got a chance to talk to this season. I'm talking about none other than Nefertari Sloan. We have already started having an amazing conversation, so we're going to kind of jump into that as much as we can. But before we do that, I'm going to go ahead and read Sloan's uh, bio, and then we'll go from there. So... Sloan is a non-binary sex educator who has been facilitating classroom conversations about sexuality since 2016. They have facilitated over 800 LGBTQ inclusive workshops for youth aged 13 through 24, and their writing has appeared in Scarletine, Race Bader, and Upspoken, as well as a Cosmo docu-series on the need for LGBTQ inclusive sex education. They consider themselves a spiritual being having a physical experience and is intentional about incorporating a holistic lens in the work that they do. Their hobbies include offering hugs, which I've had the benefit of receiving before and they're amazing, giving compliments and dancing in grocery aisles, which is also phenomenal. And I recommend that as well as a a self-care activity. So (laughs) with that, I am going to go ahead and invite Nefertari Sloan to the show. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me. So excited. Let's get this popping. Let's let's do it. Let's do it. So let's, (laughs) let's go ahead and jump in. Um, I'm going to start off with the main questions that I share that I have for all of my guests. So I'm going to start the questions. It's a three-parter. One, where are you from? Two, where your people are from? And three, what's got you thinking about sex and sexuality these days? Uh, Okay, great. Awesome questions. Where do I even start? So I was born in Atlanta, the Mecca. So, you know, it's a good time there. But I ended up leaving at a young age um, because my mom passed away from breast cancer around age four. So I was raised in Philadelphia. So 215 is in a building. That's where I rep on the East Coast. Um, (laughs) But I recently just moved to the West Coast and currently live in Oakland, California. So getting a little bit of, of spice from everywhere and excited to soak up some of the roots that they have here and learn and explore and, and get to know the area a little bit more. Yeah. Um, my ancestors, I wish I knew more about, but because of the lineage that was cut off from me, um, I'm doing a lot more work around, you know, just getting to know my immediate relatives and learning a lot about their their history because I was a formerly fostered youth. Um, mm-hmm. And what's excited me about sex and sexuality these days, hmm. you know, <laughs> it's 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 hard. It's hard to it's hard to 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 be honest about the reality that we're in with the pandemic, and also acknowledge <sighs> that sex and sexuality and the passion that comes from the freedom of liberation in sex and sexuality um, as a, as a dual existence mm-hmm. um, in in today's in today's situation. So I'm, yes. I'm, I'm going to say for me, um, I love encouraging young people. I love encouraging autonomy and I love agency. And I love the idea that like people get to decide what sex looks like for them. Um, mm-hmm. I don't like the idea that like sex for the longest time has been about, you know, preventing STIs and stigmatizing, you know, everybody's background and making sure that, you know, particular, uh, particular groups of people are not reproducing or particular groups of people are not given access to educational resources. Um, Mm -hmm. So for me, um, just ensuring that the, the adequate 
the adequate audiences are being served. Um, the reason why I got into this work was because I wanted to teach black history and I had never been in a classroom mm. before. And I thought that it would be a really cool way to, um, a really cool way to just get my foot in the door with teaching. And mm. I fell in love with the work. I learned that like outside of black history, there's just a wealth of information that's being hidden from us intentionally. Um, so making sure that the lies are unfolded and the the, right. the lessons that need to be unlearned are, are being unlearned. So like I, I'm hitting this from a ninja point of view. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sneaky advocate and um, <laughs> yes, I'm the yes. type of person that's like, all right, like sex is great. You know, Tantra is good. You know, like there's, there's, there's parts of it that, that we're going to get to, but before we get to it, there's a lot of unlearning that needs to happen. We need to so, unlearn. Absolutely. So like, <laughs> let's, let's speak the truth. Uh, let's speak the truth. And then, and then we can get to liberation. Yes, I love that so much. I love it. And I love, I did not know that you came through through history. And I'm like, so I'm sure that's real deep when you're like, so let's talk about history and sex ed. Let's talk. <laughs> let's, let's talk about how this started. Things. Let's talk about where this came from. You know let's what I do mean? That. <laughs> Origin stories. Origin yes. stories. <laughs> yes, I love that so much. And I love, um, so so one of the reasons I was, I mean, all the other things that I love about you, one of the reasons I was absolutely like, I really wanted you to come on the show was um, just the viewpoint that you bring to the table regarding um, uh, the queering of sex ed, right? Thinking about the ways that you center, not just black folks, but like black, queer, LGBTQ community in the work. And so um, I would love for you to talk a little bit about how, you came to that understanding about the need to do differently in that regard versus how we traditionally do sex ed. Absolutely, absolutely. So I think that it's important for me to note that like I'm the I'm the type of person who has been socialized as a black girl. Um, I grew up not knowing my my identity as a non-binary person because that option had not been displayed for me in the classroom. And I think that it was it would have been so impactful but I, I also think that timing is divine and things happen when they're supposed to and like our identities can come to us in layers and for people that come out late in life like there's there's still hope for us and there's still mm -hmm. you know plenty of time and and space for you to explore your identity um without it needing to 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 look like everybody else is coming out story um I didn't feel like I was hiding myself or my identity from any of my loved ones I didn't feel like um, I didn't feel like it was a process that, um, was as challenging as it is for many LGBTQ youth who are in the foster care system, which, you know, we can talk about as well because the rejection that they face and the microaggressions that happen and the stress and, uh, suicidality rates are, are through the roof. So I think yeah, that it's important yeah, for yeah. us to, to recognize like this is a public health issue while also recognizing that for me, I became the lesson through um, teaching sexuality classes. Like I mm. came to learn myself. I came to get to know myself by affirming what other young people were showing me. You know what I mean? Mm. Like I, I got to know that I was non-binary by, by uh, celebrating our first, you know, coming out week. I got to practice drag by being an ally and, and loving on gay men and, and knowing that, you know, people who are, who are out and proud and themselves in this authentic, hard, dishonest, like, harmful world, you know, are, are doing their thing. And I, I can't help but have respect for that. So yeah. for me... Um, I was inspired so much by, by all of the people that were around me while I had my little boyfriend, like my friends thought that I was like in the closet and I was like, nah, y'all like y'all cool. But I ended right. up falling, <laughs> I ended up falling in love with my first girlfriend and, um, didn't even admit at, at that point that I was a lesbian because I was like, no, this is just one person who, who uh -huh, I happen to be uh -huh. into. You know what I mean? Like it right. is what it is. And that's because I'm I'm personally attracted to a very specific type of person. So mm -hmm. it is what it is. You know, we're all in, endowed our types. Um, <laughs> yes. And um, for me, bringing that into the classroom, I felt was so important because 
that's not something that I think is talked about enough. I think a, a lot of people think that like being LGBTQ has to look a particular way. And I think that um, something that I like to affirm is these uh, labels versus identities only mean what we allow them to mean. We define yeah. them for ourselves. I think we put the I in identity and we don't have mm -hmm. to take on labels that are not um, meant for us. I think that it's very important that people who, um, people who try and ascribe a particular kind of, people who try and ascribe a particular type of behavior to an identity still have some, some sussing out to do when it comes to understanding the intersections between assigned sex at birth, gender expression, gender identity, and sexual orientation. And that's what people like me and you are here for. You know what I mean? Right. To be compassionate, right, right, right. to be uh, patient, to, to, to say, okay, like I, I hear you and I see you, but this is a human being. And like saying mm -hmm. like, oh, like this is a, this is, this is what this means. Um, only really reveals a little bit uh, more of the, the growth points and the growth areas that we might have. I, I be having these uh, these Twitter finger conversations with people on Facebook and these lesbian <laughs> groups all the time. Because yeah. you, would, you wouldn't believe, like, everybody is still quite confused. There's a lot mm -hmm. of confusion. And I think that the more that, that conversation happens about it and the less that we generalize and the less that we... Um, put binary language on things, the more acceptance and um, pride, 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 com like proud conversations can happen. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. No, I, I'm hearing everything that you're saying and it, it's got me thinking about so much. Um, bef before we move on, I definitely wanna, well, not before we move on, after my next question, I definitely wanna make sure that we take some time to break down for the folks who are not aware some of the terms that you've mentioned, um, some of the terms related to identity that, that they may sure. be like, wait, sex what? Like, like those sorts of things. But I I'm reminded as you speak about um, the difference even between labels and identity and how identity is really, I, I love what you said about the I and identity. We put the I in identity because it reminds me of a quote that I say often from someone who was in my research, my dissertation research, who talked about it being, they said, I think it's a tool of white supremacy to put a label on everything and to like, mm. like basically mm. essentializing it and making it be that, oh, well, if you have this label, that means you do these things, these yes. things, you know, making it very yes. perspective. It's a diagnosis. So yeah. And so when you said that, I think very much, even now, like, I feel like what's different to me about how what you're talking about is that instead of what I feel like is the common discourse in sex ed, that's like, we are going to teach about sexual orientation and gender identity, which means I'm going to give you a bunch of terms. And then when you can tell me that you can recite them and define them, then you have somehow mastered this concept. We, we when, don't do that I, here. We don't do that here. We say if you you pick one, you can pick one if you want, but it really doesn't mean anything. Just so you yeah. know. Yeah, and that's very different than querying the experience of learning about sexuality mm -hmm. and sexual health and mm -hmm. what that means. And so I that's what's coming up for me. Yeah. Um with that. Yeah. So so yes though, let's let's break cuz you broke down a lot. You said a lot of different terms for the folks who might not understand. So breaking down like the difference like you said between sex assigned at birth, your gender identity, your sex, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Can you break those down for the folks at home who may not understand that? Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you for asking. So, um assigned sex at birth, I define and like I said, this is my definition. I'm not here to speak for every queer person who exists on the planet. We are not a monolith, just like every Black person does not speak for the entire race. Um, Facts. Every sex educator does not speak for every sexuality educator. I've, I've had many conversations with folks about, you know, just people who are in this work. And there are so many different facets of it. I think it's so important for us to just be mindful of, like, of how much weight that we put on on anything. So for mm -hmm. me, assigned sex at birth has to do with um, the genitalia that you are born with and that a doctor sees when a baby is born, what comes out, whether it's a clitoris or whether mm -hmm. it is a penis. And I'm specific about clitoris and penis because the clitoris and the penis are homologous organs, which means that they're essentially the same, like nipples. Everybody has nipples. Maybe they do different right. functions, but you know, um, 
on our bodies, we can recognize that they're, they're similar. So the clitoris and the penis are homologous organs. Whether a doctor identifies them based on what size it is, um, he will say uh, male or female. The issue with doing that is there are multiple biological factors that can be incorporated in someone's body that can also be categorized as male or female. This also can include chromosomes. This can include your hormones. This can include your internal reproductive organs. And something that I'd love to add, and I appreciate having this platform for, is that we have a name for the term Um, that we use to refer to the outside of a um, female conglomeration, the vulva, but we don't have a term for um, the male one. So Mm. I I tried to come up with a term and um, I I submitted it to dictionary.com. They rejected it, of course, because you know, they racist. You know, I don't have time, but you know, I, I'm gonna get my receipt. But you know, it ain't nothing for us to get some move. You know how black folks make language move. Uh, look, we, we can go ahead right now and, and call it whatever we want to call it. Precisely. So what's the new term. The new term is Vita. Okay, so Vita, and I did my work. I did some etymology behind it. Vita, the root term means life. I'm trying to give it some 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 verve. Um, yes. But you know, when we think about the taint, when we think about the scrotum, you know, these yes. things are also com- uh, homologous with the labia. These these things um, can also be comparative to the vulva. And I think the the more that we take away attention from the penis, the less the patriarchy will be able to just whip it around and make it seem like it's mm. that big of a deal. So uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, this is all based on genitalia, that one factor. And then that one factor is determining how you spend the rest of your life, what sports teams you're allowed to be on, what bathrooms you're allowed to go in, what color they use at your gender reveal party, which is also mm-hmm. bullshit. Like we don't right. need to be assigning colors to people based on what we're assuming their genitals look like. We don't need to be telling people what our children's genitals look like for real, for real. So I think it's very important for us to just be mindful about the messages that we're sending when we put so much emphasis on Mm -hmm. this kind of, on this kind of culture. And it's not anybody's fault. You know, I read a book uh, called The History of White People by Nell Irvin Painter, an amazing historian, black woman, um, Mm -hmm. who talked about how culture is defined by what we have been trained to look for. And doctors Mm -hmm. are being trained to look for this thing. What would happen if we were just looking for something else? What would happen if we allowed people to identify for themselves at a certain age? You know, we've got cultures that decide, you know, you reach a certain age, there's rites of passages, there's there's times where people can choose their names, there's times where people can choose their boxes, their genders, their I mean you can do that anyway. I'm 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 a proponent that says like, you know, whenever you're ready, whenever you can speak for yourself, like, then please do. Um, but the fact that like so much is is done around that at such an early age can be harmful and also erases um, intersex populations and intersex communities. So for people yeah. who are not familiar with that Absolutely. term, uh, what might be familiar is the term hermaphrodite that is no longer uh, socially acceptable. And uh, I would say outdated, you know, just for the, the sake of, of being respectful to, to folks, the term that has been approved is intersex. And that could refer to someone who has a combination or a conglomeration of uh, parts that... I don't want to say both because that also insinuates that like it would be out of the ordinary for someone to have their body, it have their natural body be different. Like you can mm-hmm. just be born in a way that is different from what um, is right. considered mainstream. So like intersex right. folks exist. Their existence is is normal in the same way that everyone else's existence is normal. Absolutely. So I Absolutely. think that it's important for us to recognize we're not saying, oh, like you've got male and female or you're 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 this and that. There are people who might have inner uh, reproductive organs that we recognize as female and outer reproductive organs that we recognize as male. Um, there are people who have uh, chromosome differences that you know, just are not being acknowledged. And there are surgeries that are happening to these babies without their consent to the extent that it is traumatizing them because their parents are not letting them know what is going on with them at these ages. 
And then um, we don't find out until something happens later on in life. So yeah, yeah I think yeah, yeah. it's very important for everyone to recognize when it comes to assigned sex at birth, it's complicated. It's complex. It needs to, to stop happening. Like yeah, even, yeah. even the idea um, that we call it sex assigned at birth or biological sex, like that is invalidating the person. Like when you mm-hmm. say, oh, like you're, you're actually female or you're actually male, like you're telling oh, biologically that, male, oh, yeah, biologically female. Yeah. Right. You're, you're telling that person like, oh, like they, that, that, that how they see themselves internally doesn't matter and how their mm-hmm. sense of self is, which is ultimately what is more important is, is, is invalidated because of what somebody else said based off of one factor, like I said, that people still don't understand. So there's right. a lot absolutely. of, there's, there's a lot of work to be done around it. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I, in my head, I was like, you better preach this thing. You were coming <laughs> through with the facts on that. Absolutely. And, um, what, what I, what I often, when I'm teaching about intersex, I, I often raise up the concept of, or the idea of, uh, ambiguity. Right. Mm-hmm. And really in my mind, I, I, I appreciate the ways intersex queers, even the concept of sex and like the idea of like, even your literal genital genitals are, are, they are what they are. They yeah. have no set definition. They have no set defined look. They just are what they are. And mm-hmm. I think that brings in even more freedom. Like you said, it's like, why are we even looking at genitals in the first place? Let's make sure that there's a heartbeat. Let's make sure that the lungs work. And that is really the only priority that we actually need to have in terms of determining a healthy baby, right? So um, to decide that, how much power we want to give the baby. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So I, I love that. And so you actually have me thinking of um, kind of a professional question. So I think of people who, you know, swear to get it around sexual and gender diversity. And they're like, yeah, we recognize we need to be uh, being more inclusive in our classrooms. But when it comes to this topic, they're still kind of thinking about male and female because, and a lot of the rhetoric is that, well, it's just too complicated to get people to understand the ambiguity and to be, get people to understand the queerness of this. And so I'd love you to speak on how you've been able to successfully bring this into the classroom and help people at all ages understand like, oh, this is not just male and female. It's not just one end or the other. Absolutely, absolutely. So I think that for me, like what I do is I come back to language and how important it is to be distinct when you're talking about language. So when I use terms like male and female, I am referring to biology. I am referring to particular set of gonads. I am referring to, you know, uh, the types of chromosomes that are associated with a particular set. Um, when I use boy or girl, I'm talking about gender identity. Gender identity is an internal sense of self. Um, when I use uh, masculine or feminine, I'm talking about gender expression. When I use particular sexualities like bisexual, um, I'm just trying to give the bis some, some, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm like give the bisexual people that the, give them the floor. But, um, yes. uh, when I use lesbian, gay, bisexual, you know, these are terms that we're, we're using for sexual orientation. So I, I try and separate based on um, the categories that we're talking about, because I don't think that it's it's productive to use certain words interchangeably. Like I hear a lot of folks do the correction when they're like, we shouldn't refer to women or girls as females. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, female is a term that can apply to any particular species species yes spat thank you i appreciate that Mm -hmm. so yeah so like female is a term that can refer to any particular species but you know when we're talking about identities and and ways to humanize you know we want to to refer to someone as a woman or a boy i also think that it's very important to make the distinction if you're talking about someone who's trans and you want to be inclusive of someone who's trans don't say oh uh, a trans woman and a regular woman or uh, Mm -hmm. a trans person and or or even even say trans women and women you need to if you're gonna say trans women say cis women you know if you're gonna say um 
If you're going to say the the particular uh, defining factor before someone's gender identity in a particular way, just be mindful of like what you're communicating by also not modifying that dominant group. So um, just ensuring that we're not othering the group that that might yes. be new to you um, and, and being in, for me, like being inclusive, like feels like not pushing that group out in the first place. So it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's an interesting conversation to be having because it's more about acknowledging the existence of someone who's been in the room the entire time and like Absolutely. has for so long just felt like they have been left out. So like for me offering these options and saying, Hey, like this is, this is what exists here or, um, let's knock this particular group down a little bit or say like, okay, like it's fine to be heterosexual. Like if that's what, if that's what you like, if that's what you into, but like recognize that you got some other options. Like yeah. you don't have yeah, to yeah, put yeah. yourself in a box if you don't want to. Like yeah. a lot of us are being boxed in so oppressively and don't even realize how oppressive that box is. So I think that it's just really important for, for young, young people, especially because that, that early age is so developmental that they that they are given permission to to grow and 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 water their own soil in that in that way. Yes. I love that. Yes, water it. Yes, and definitely being able to understand themselves as they see themselves and not as oh, well this is what I was told I am and so mm-hmm. I have to own this because this is the only way that I'm going to be accepted and 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 all of that. So absolutely everything you're saying, I'm right there with you. Um there's a few more questions I think I want to ask about the ways we, we talked about intersectionality before we started this conversation. And I want to at some point bring in the ways that intersectionality uh, intersectionality affects the ways in which we may specifically talk about the experiences of trans women or specifically talk about the experiences of black women or, you know, so on and so forth. But before we get to that, I want to in. I want to bring it back more to intraculturally and thinking about the experiences of black folks and thinking about the black community. So if you could, um, if you felt like there was one thing that you think represents a learning opportunity or kind of like a, you know, a, a place where maybe we could be, we could stand to do a little bit better around these particular topics in the black community, what would you say it is? Mm, You know, it's it's very difficult for me to say because i i don't i don't wish to label like like we already said the labeling the the white it's it's white supremacist it's that lens mm-hmm. but some of my most challenging classes that i have had this conversation um in have been with black girls and mm. for me being with and like as someone like I said who is socialized that way and and who who appreciates black femmes and and sees the power that we have to to know that so much of that homophobia has been internalized and perpetuated mm-hmm. um only says so much about how much has permeated our communities and mm-hmm. forces us not to allow our men to express themselves in in healthy ways, um, which you know I guess shows up in in a lot of it. It shows up in in layers. It shows up in layers. But a number of times that I've gone to have the gender and sexuality conversation with at risk youth who are primarily black girls, they have rejected this idea. Um, I I have been guilty of this. I have been one of the girls who says like, oh, like I'm strictly dickly, you know, like mm-hmm. one of one of the one of the girls who says like, if my son were gay, I wouldn't accept him. Or if if this, you know, were the particular, or if I got approached by someone, this is how I would react. And I think that it's just it's really disheartening because we know where those messages come from, and I wish that. I wish that there was a way that we could stop them from being perpetuated. I think that yeah. that that queer people are magic. Queer people have done so much to push us forward as a uh, as a culture. They have done so much to to save us in our civil rights movements. They have done yeah. so much to to protect and 
uplift young people. Um, yeah. And I think that it's it's really, really sad when we don't value what what they have to offer us as a yeah. community and when yeah. their humanity is denied so vehemently. And I think that for me, like one of the, the biggest passions that I have is making sure that that community is is being that community is being acknowledged by name, you know, given their flowers while they're still alive, while they're still yeah. here with us, because they're being trans women, specifically black trans women being murdered at rates that are abhorrent. You know what I mean? I think that yeah. it's it's just so important for us to make sure that that they're seen as people like I think mm-hmm. people don't see black people as people and the issue of intersectionality goes like the further quote unquote further further down Mm -hmm. on the rung you are of those identities the less human you are and like it's that it's the easier it is to 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 eliminate you the the easier it is to 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 incite genocide And, and you know what i i and i'm Curious where you feel like that comes from, that and not, and not necessarily the ideology because we know where that yeah. comes from, you know. But I mean, in terms of the willingness to clutch so strongly to ideas that are clearly so toxic and so harmful and so self-limiting, right? I think about the ways that homophobia and transphobia limits even cis hetero black women from being able to fully lean into their own power, into their own self-acceptance. Like I, I just, yeah. I'm like, I think of how much I have gained and learned and how much my life has benefited from leaning into the scholarship of black trans women and the yeah. thought and the, and the ideas. And I'm just like, I feel more in touch with my femininity because of, of black trans women. And I think about like, like, what is it? Do you think it is that, that makes cis black women want to hold on so tightly? Shame, shame, Mm. embarrassment. I think it, it's a touch of envy. I think for me, Mm. I think what I see when I see queer people is people who don't care what larger society thinks. They mm-hmm. don't care about Absolutely. rejecting what what was illegal. Like this, these are systemic things that have been in, like imposed. And I think that like people think that it was a long time ago that like sodomy was like the type of thing that got you thrown into jail. So like if we're yeah. just talking about being, you know, being gay, just like just being gay, it was not okay. Like you had mm-hmm. to hide even mm-hmm. queer, queer people, queer relationships, lesbian relationships, butch femme relationships were, were in that form because people had to pretend that they were still men and women. I think that even now there's some research that I've done on like stud for stud relationships um, because mm-hmm. I'm, I am attracted to masculine identified and masculine presenting um, women. Mm-hmm. I think that even in that particular uh, in that particular realm, finding people who are comfortable displaying what what presents as homosexual is still yeah. not seen and accepted as okay. And I think yeah. that there are there are so many layers. I think with the AIDS epidemic and with you know um, the way that DL men affected. You know, uh, or the assumption thereof. Yeah, right, right. Know that that you're right, had you're to right. get debunked as absolutely, well. Absolutely, absolutely. I think that like, the, but these are the myths. These are the myths. These are the myths mm-hmm. that get perpetuated, and then these are the 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 myths that get passed down. So I think that right. like for cis women who have not been given permission to access their power, who have not been given permission to access their joy, who have not been given permission to access pleasure and be happy and be proud without feeling like they're getting slut shamed, without feeling like they're getting called a hoe, without feeling like, uh, or, or, you know, without feeling like they're getting called a hoe with a negative connotation, mind you, because I, I also mm-hmm. think that that's something that we need to debunk and, and reclaim and, and be, yeah. be, that's a be, whole other podcast episode. It's, it's too much. It's too much. <laughs> but it's real. You're right. It's real. It is real. It is real. And it's like queer people, queer people are saying like, oh, you want to call me that? 
I'm gonna just call me that and do my thing. Right. I don't and have then we'll time. just, you know, bust the bubble. Absolutely. I don't and, have and, time. And it's so funny to me because um I, I think of I very often I pull on um E. Patrick Johnson's work, Performative Blackness, and he talks about and, and his queer theory, right? So this is mm. the the Southern black take on queer theory. And he essentially posits that black people were the first queer folks. Mm. Like as a as a community, as a whole. And so I think about that notion of um, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And the idea of like, okay, once you get acceptance, then you want to try to see, you know, block the way for other people to be accepted and to be be seen as human. And, and, and I think some of that seems to come into play here where it's like, okay, I've been able to, in my black cis femininity, be accepted and be considered as quote unquote normal. And, and, and because I'm hanging on to it by a thread, then I'm going to push you aside queer person or trans person or so it's because you're going to make me look bad and then my I my thing will be threatened when it's like if we could all just lean into our queerness we could in fact be free from all of these structures that we're trying to compete for and all of this social power that has never been meant for any of us yes yes and so that's what I'm sitting with as you as you're talking and, and like I said when like I have, the more I've leaned into my own queerness and my own understanding of the fluidity that, that has been my birthright as an African person, I feel like that has set me up to be like, like, I'm good. Like, what? I don't need none of this. I don't need to, I don't need to fight. No, I don't need to compare myself to anyone. I don't need to uh, see myself as better or worse. I am in fact being able to see us all as family and being able to see us all the humanity that exists inside of all of us. Um, so maybe that's just my, the soapbox moment I'm having mm. based on what you're saying. But I yes. feel like that, that's the big piece that often gets I'm like, how do you, why are you hanging on to this so much? What is it? You, you know, I was having a conversation with someone and I, I'm, I'm not going to presume their identity, um, but I know that uh, she dates cis men primarily. And mm. we were talking about the, the infallibility of desirability politics and how, mm. and how she kind of had just rejected so much of that because she recognized that like larger society didn't give a fuck about yeah about it like regardless because of her identity as a black woman you know like yep. she was saying like y'all not going y'all are not valuing me either way so anyway, why so why, why not just why, be free why am i playing this game like yes. i don't have time and like i hadn't been looking at it that way because one of my coping mechanisms and one of my coping skills has been to play into that desirability whenever i feel low whenever i am you know um Whenever I am in need of a boost, whenever I am in need of my own type of self-care, what mm -hmm. I do is I play into that knowing the reactions that I'm going to get, knowing that like, oh, like this is what y'all think is sexy today. Yeah. This is what I'm going to do. I appreciate do. you saying that. Yeah, yeah you know, I, I, I mean, I've listened to your podcast, so I know you was going to ask about <laughs> superpowers and like, that's what I consider to be one of my powers. Like That is literally the next question. So let's go right on into it. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> we are here. So um, I was going to say my adaptability. I grew up in the foster care system. I moved around a lot. I, I was used to being in different environments and trying to work the system to get my way. And I, I noticed how people react to my presence. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like, depending on how I want the reaction to be will determine uh, how I show up in the space. And yeah. Um, after, you know, a breakup or two, you know, or something that that might that might make my ego get a little low. What I will do is, you know, uh, present myself in a in a way that I think is going to get get hyper attractive. I, I don't even want to say hyper attractive because when I'm like when I dress masculine, I feel powerful. Like when I dress masculine, I feel like I'm getting respect. Get you. you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And like people get out of my way and like I don't and, and it's just it's it's a completely different dynamic. So like I, I would I, and I think that masculinity is attractive. Like that's well, what I was going to say. Isn't that 
had its own level of attractiveness. Yeah. I was like, like, so like, for the folks who don't know Sloan, let's just acknowledge that like, Sloan is fine. <laughs> like Sloan, no matter how Sloan dresses, Sloan is thank fine. Thank you. Thank you. And so it is either going to give you mask attractiveness or fam attractiveness. I receive way, that. Sloan can pull it off. I receive <laughs> that. I receive that. You know, but like that's my, I'm a chameleonaire. So, you know, <laughs> people catch me rotten dirty. So. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so in, in the sexuality field, I think that it's really cool because I get to be, um, I get to be a, a different teacher, you know, I get to show up as like, you know, a different person every week for my kids and they get to see like, oh, you get like, who, who is this today? Who's going to show yeah. up? And, and yeah, it's yeah. just, it's fun. It's fun to play with expression. It's fun to, to show, you know, young people like the range of ways that, that, that they can show up and, um, and also just be a model, a, a role model. Yeah, yeah. And what I appreciate about that too is is your ability to see it. And so you can be more agentic in, in how you wield it. Because I think it's very different when you are very conscious of what is happening in the moment. So you can determine, is this the best way of being in this moment or am I do I have the potential to cause harm here or to affect someone in an adverse way in terms of how they think about these subjects? Um, and that's very different than somebody who's just moving around and they're just, they like, they really have a vested interest in that image that they're giving off. Right. Yeah. And, and so I think just being able to see it is also um, really important. I would imagine is an important tweak uh, or an important nuance to that superpower that's important to have as yeah. well. Absolutely. So definitely. I kind of want to be like, so what, what, if you know my questions, what's my next question? <laughs> <laughs> Let me get my notes. <laughs> No, it's all good. It's all good. Um, so, I mean, we've touched on so much and like, I know there are folks who are going to be listening who are just like, listen, I've heard all this before and I don't care, but there's going to be somebody listening who's like, this makes so much sense, but it's so much. How do I make sense of this? Like, how do I just, how do you break it down from like, okay, the step I can do tomorrow to do better around this or the step I can take this afternoon to be more into my, uh, my fluidity as a, as a gendered person or at, you know, just as being me, what advice would you give for that person? Who's just like baby steps, slow baby steps. What's the first baby step? Okay. Well, the first thing that I would like to acknowledge is that like time is a social construct, you know, like, and, and especially in a pandemic, especially in a pandemic. Like, I don't even know how we got here for real, for real at all. (laughs) But like, um, I think that it's important for people to be compassionate with themselves, like mistakes and accidents happen in this work and something that I've, I've had many conversations with folks around. And mind you, this is, this is not the biggest one, nor should it be minimized. But like, for example, when we're talking about pronouns, you know what I mean? Like people, mm-hmm. people, um, and for people who don't know what pronouns are, those are the words we use for people's names when we're not, when, when we're referring to someone without saying their name. Um, I think that it's important to recognize that like, if you make a mistake, acknowledge it, but not uh, make the the mistake about you. You know, we're trying mm-hmm. to make a better world. Like we're not trying to like fill ourselves with guilt and shame over the fact that like stuff yeah. that we were taught like was harmful to everyone, you know, like yeah. it's, this is oppressive to everyone. Like the more yeah. that, that you're conscious of it, the, the lighter the load is on even you, you know what I mean? So I think that, I think that going into this work, like knowing that like the more you care about it and the more that you give yourself grace, like the easier this will be, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Sexuality is not about like following a particular set of rules. Like it's about like allowing liberation to exist. And I read an article recently that was like, Power is not the same as being free. And I think that like the idea of like, the idea of freedom as the ultimate goal over like power is is going to like shift the conversation in such yes, a, a, yes, a better direction. Yes. So I think that, you know, we, we, we have a lot to tackle. We have the patriarchy to tackle. We have racism to tackle. We have transphobia, homophobia to tackle. Like let the right. people who know what they're doing 
do that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like there are educators who have been trained to do that, you know, like don't feel like you have to be a social justice warrior and come in and, and fight and advocate. If you are a white person and you have the ability and the bandwidth to like be an accomplice and step up, go ahead, use your, use, use that, do what you got to do. You know what I'm saying? But like, if you are someone who like is tired and what you need is rest, please rest. Like if you are someone who needs pleasure and who needs a good back massage and who needs to just moisturize when you get out of the shower, (laughs) do that. Like it looks different for everybody. And I think that that's another thing that I like to bring into the classroom when I'm talking about sexuality. It's like nobody gets off on all the same things. So I think like Mm -hmm. curating your own rituals around what this work looks like is going to be extremely helpful. Yeah, I agree with that. Absolutely. There is one thing that I, and and I would love to check in with you about this if it feels resonant for you. The other thing that's popping up in my head is kind of a counterbalance that yes, if you, if you quote unquote mess up, right. Mm-hmm. Not to make it about you and also to not, use it as an excuse to not keep going, mm-hmm. right? Like I think about folks who are like, well, see, I, I can't get it. So I don't even want to try. And it's like, no, we still, we always have the responsibility in my mind to show up and contend with our privilege as it shows up and and, and the ways that we can, that can be harming other people. And no, it doesn't mean that we exhaust ourselves trying to be hyper vigilant about pointing it out everywhere. Mm-hmm. But it also means that we don't go to the other side and it's just like, well, yeah, privilege is just what it is. So, you know, sorry, it is what it is. Right. Um, so I think about that. I'm thinking about that as well. Absolutely. I, uh, I I heard a quote somewhere on a different podcast that said, if you were born before either 1976 or 79, six and nine, one of them, um, is that, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> that it's more it's more difficult for you uh, neurobiologically to integrate they, them as a singular pronoun. But like anybody oh, after that, wow. I'm not about to give like any type of credence to because we do use they, them as a singular pronoun all the time. Did the male person Absolutely. come? What did they drop off? You know what I'm talking about. Where's the doctor? Yep. When are they coming? I like, you know what I mean? Like people, people can be referred to without using she, her or he, him pronouns. I just think that it's important for us to get into a practice so that your tongue gets used to it. You know, that's people, it. Just, that's all. Yep. I agree. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so my rapid fire questions are coming up in a bit. But before we do that, Mm -hmm. share with the people, if you will, Sloan, thinking about, especially with the pandemic, with a lot of different things, just this moment in time where there's all of this different change that's going on. We didn't get into the fact that you and I are fellow Libra, so I know you follow the astrology. And I know you know all the things that are, the changes that are happening in society with that. Um, Just thinking about this, how do you see your role and or significance in the sex ed profession now Mm, mm. in terms of the, especially in light of the unique uh, position that you hold in it. Oh, yes. Okay. So currently I am the training and prevention coordinator at MISI, which stands for Motivating, Inspiring, Serving, and Supporting Sexually Exploited Youth. And my role there is going to be working with the school district of Oakland to provide some workshops, prevention for um, human trafficking awareness and making sure that the epidemic, like this is a serious issue um, of making sure that our youth are being adequately supported and prevention workshops are being done to make sure that they are staying safe and not being exploited by predators. So this work has been especially resonant for me and interesting because of my own background in the foster care system. There are a a very large number of exploited youth who go through the foster care system. I'm learning in my training right now that the same way that the school to prison pipeline is, there is a foster care to, you know, CSEC pipeline. CSEC stands for mm. commercially sexually exploited children. Um, mm-hmm. The way that this can show up looks like, you know, when uh, a young person is taken from a home at uh, late hours of the night, you know, they get transported. They don't necessarily have any autonomy. There's very transactional uh, experiences where they feel like, you know, people are being paid to, to take care of them versus people are being paid for, you know, taking advantage of their bodies. And I think that, 
you know, seeing some of those parallels has helped me to do a lot of my own inner child work um, while also recognizing that this is a population that I am I am here to serve like this. Yeah. This is divine timing. Like I yeah. I I came to Oakland for a reason. And I think that like I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to like being able to make a difference here while yeah. also recognizing that like it's not my job to rescue. It's my job to support and yeah. recognizing that the central trauma roles in between young people are going to differ because when you're an adolescent, that's the oldest that you've ever been. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you think that you know everything. And like, we've all, we've all been there. We have all been young people who don't know what we're going to learn later. So I think, (laughs) I think, (laughs) I just think, and I just think that's the best way for me to put it, you know, and I want, I want the lessons that they learn to be holistic. I want them to be wholesome. I want them to be encouraging. I want them to be, you know, pleasurable. And I think that, um, I'm really excited about, you know, starting with this this new organization and seeing everything that's going to come out of it. If anyone has any resources or, you know, uh, has an interest in reaching out to me, you can find me at Sloan at Missy.org. Yes. And we'll, and we'll definitely have all that information in the show notes so people can check it out. I'm, I'm a big, I, I'm, I still kind of bring my academic hat to this. So I try as much as possible to have a reference page at the end. So we will Love definitely it. have this information here for folks to check out. Um, and, and, and I, I just want to say as much as I know about you, I mean, I get that we've not been connected for a long time, but given what I know about you, if there's anybody that I could imagine doing this work, it would be you. So I'm super excited oh, for you. how you're going to impact that organization and, and by extension, how it's going to help you evolve into the leader that I know you are in this work. So it's we're doing amazing, it. We're already amazing. doing it. Oh, and this is a <laughs> thing. This is what we were talking about earlier in this book that I am reading right now, Black Girl Girlhood Studies Collection by Aria yes. S. Holiday. Leadership starts so early for young Black girls and femmes that right. people are not prepared. Like society is not prepared. They don't know how to handle it. And I think that what, what, what needs to be affirmed is that Black women and Black femmes, they know what they're talking about. They don't need to be doubted. They don't need to doubt themselves. They need to be supported. They need to be resourced. They need to be networked. They need to get what they need in order to to change the world because that's what they're doing, you know, regardless. They just need their, they just need the credit. Put put my name in the credits, please. Yes. And they need to be loved in the process. Absolutely. Even the folks who like value us, it's like, no, that ain't the same. That like knowing what I'm worth and exploiting it to the full is not the same Mm -hmm. as I love you. I care about you. Yeah. While I know your worth. Yeah. Yeah. That's important. Okay. You ready for the rapid fire question? Let's go. Okay. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I'm like, at some point I might have to change these up once people get, get into them. But I just love knowing what people's answers are. So at this point, I'm like, if you've thought about it, it's fine. It's okay. It's not hitting you, uh, kind of out of nowhere, but, um, these are sentence stems. So just whatever first thing comes to your mind as soon as you hear it. Okay. 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 So the first one is sexiness is sexiness is chocolate mm, mm. come on mm. i love me some facts. chocolate facts in all all forms okay <laughs> i'm sorry i'm having my own moment <laughs> don't mind me look what, what you said at the beginning the pandemic has caused some challenges the pandemic has been so hard <laughs> it makes it so difficult I'm, uh, like so I'm like, I get so distracted during the week. Uh, like, uh, Lord, I need to release. All right, never mind, never mind. Okay. <laughs> Next one. The sexiest thing about blackness and or black people is. Hmm. I'm going to say culture. Mm-hmm. The culture, because like, like it's, it's the creativity, you know, like, it's like you, you take something away. I'm going to just make something else. Like we yeah. can't, we can't be stopped. Yeah. We're, we're unstoppable. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I just said it today. I don't know if you saw my Facebook post today, but I was like, if you ever doubted that African-American vernacular English exists, ask a black American right now about how they feel about they STEMI and see what you get. Yo. Because I was like, only us would come up with something called a STEMI. <laughs> 
like we just change like we're not gonna call it what you told us it right. is. We're just gonna we're gonna twist it and give it our own spin, our own little flavor on it. And then you see they just <laughs> they just added dictionary.com just added a bunch of African American vernacular words to Did their Yup, Finna is in there. <laughs> um a couple of other ones, but I'm just like, okay, we'll see. We'll see There's how so this affects many things. This. Like I, I I'm surprised. I wonder if Mike Drop is in there because I was thinking about that too with coming to America mm. and how most folks don't know that that's where that came from. Mm. Uh, dropping the mic, but I, yeah, did, I, I didn't know that. Podcast. I didn't know that. You don't know that. You know, I'm a little. Oh, I'm sexual a, chocolate. I'm from, I'm from a different generation. <laughs> did you see? Okay, wait, wait. Okay, wait. Because coming yes, to, and coming to America. What what year did coming to America come out? That was like what? Oh, right. You were a whole baby. I was. Oh. I'm a '92 baby. Oh my yeah. Yes. Oh my goodness. Okay, fair. Yeah. It came out in like it came out in 1988. Right. So like. Okay. That was before I was born. Well, well, I'm going to because because <laughs> I'm a firm believer that we need to be training up our children in the ways that they should go. So all young black folks should know that. Well, honestly, young black folks should know that anything that you like in our culture or like in American culture came from us. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. like that needs to be established. But no, the mic drop is actually from a scene in Coming to America. Wow. Are you familiar with Randy Watson at all? No. Okay, Not so your name. assignment is name. to watch. Coming to America, I've not the seen, second one that just came I out, watched, but the I've first seen, one. I've seen the movie before, you know. Oh, you just I don't just, remember it. I just don't know. I just, you know, like it's just not. It's <laughs> and just it don't, not it don't hit big, the same. It's not going to, and it's not going to, you know, like I'm a land before fair. time kid, you know, like. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I understand that. I, like, meanwhile, I am so firmly in the cult of coming to America, like. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say my Finsta, but then people are going to try to follow me. Next sentence prompt. My go-to for feeling sexy is... My go-to for feeling sexy is selfies. I love taking pictures of myself. It is. A I love that. Mm-hmm. You know what? I've I've just recently this year gotten into taking selfies again because I think the pandemic really did like quarantining really took me off that because I hadn't washed my locks like updated my locks <laughs> in like eight week. You know, it had been a long time, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't want to take no pictures. Oh. But I did my hair for Valentine's Day, and then I was like, Wait, yes. wait, wait. hold on, let me let me bring. Some Who this? Who this? <laughs> new, new hair? Who this? <laughs> for black folk is achieved when when we have no shame Mm -hmm. shame is like the the like self-deprecation and shame are like my two biggest things i hate so like just making sure that like people don't feel bad about themselves like yeah do your thing i i want people i want people to feel like they can do stuff like whether whether somebody is watching them if that's what they're into or like nobody's watching them if that's what they don't yeah yeah i love that absolutely last but not least when i'm done being on this podcast i will i'm gonna take a walk you know i'm hungry let's see what let's see (laughs) yes let's see let's see what let's see what food appears in my path (laughs) (laughs) yes food is always the answer i love that yes Thank you so much for being on TSOB with me, Sloan. This, this has, has been, been a phenomenal yes, conversation. I agree. I laughed so much. Thank <laughs> yes, you. That's the goal. Like, I love this so much. Just being able to have these conversations. Tell the people you, you gave them uh, your email address for your work with Missy. Tell them any social media you want to share that they can find you at if they want to just keep up with what you're doing or anything like that. Sure. So my personal Instagram is Sloan5678. Um, I also have a account called I'm fucking happy, uh, with some tips for self care and sex specialties. Um, and then yes. for the young people, if anybody's interested in that, I've got sex ed with Sloan. Um, yes. so that's all on Instagram. I also have a website. If people need to reach out, contact me that way. Uh, Nefertari Sloan.com N E F E R T A R I S L O A N. 
Beautiful. Beautiful. And and so I know you do have this job. Are you still available for hire for consulting and, and those sorts of things? It depends or on the type of work. Out? Depends on the type of work. So just reach out, you know, like I might just be in a, a giving mood, honestly. So, Maybe. you know, depend, <laughs> depending on what color you are. So, <laughs> Because sometimes it's reparations and I don't have, you know, I don't have time to be doing, you know, additional labor, labor, you know, but, but if I'm helping members of my community, like, you know, it's, it's, it hit different. That's facts. Mm -hmm. That's facts. Okay. Well, thank you all for listening so much. I am so excited. Um, Hopefully you all will. I know I got nuggets. So you got nuggets. Chew on them. If you have other questions or ideas, just go ahead and email the show. But with that, thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you next time and take care. You've been listening to TSOB with Dr. G produced by Dr. Tracy Q. Gilbert of Tembi and I. To keep up with all things TSOB, follow us on social media at TSOB the podcast, which you can find on Twitter Instagram, or Facebook. For past episodes of the show, visit tsobpodcast.com or subscribe to the show either on YouTube or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Now, don't forget that you've got homework for this episode. To find the downloadable worksheet for this or any other episode of the show, head on over again to tsobpodcast.com where you'll find it and any other important information from the show notes. And finally, do you have any questions or thoughts to share? Sound off by email at mailbox at tsobpodcast.com. Again, this was TSOB, the sex ed of black folk. Thank you for listening. Talk again soon.